What do you think of when I say the word musical? No, I'm not talking about someone who's musically gifted. I'm talking about that song and dance filled storytelling genre. You know, the one that often begins on Broadway and eventually ends up in theaters everywhere. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, as you might have guessed, today we're going to be talking about musicals and their recent resurgence on the big screen. Specifically, we're going to unpack the latest Broadway hit to make the jump from that famous street to the screen, and that's Dear Evan Hansen. It's a resonant story for our time, I think, because it deals with the issues of teen mental health and suicide. But we'll also touch on some recent musicals on screen, and we'll kick around exactly why these stories pack so much emotional wallop, the kind that can linger with us, whether we're young or old, for a very long time. In our second segment today, we're going to discuss why Instagram filters, you know, those silly things that can make you look like a cat or a dog or a cheetah or something, might actually be having more influence on younger users than we realized. Well, joining me for our conversation today are Emily Clark, Jonathan McKee, and Kristen Smith. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I thought to get us started today, there was only one obvious question I needed to ask. Quick What's your favorite musical? The Greatest Showman. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, I was so close. Fastest icebreaker ever. Jonathan? Yep. No. Um, greatest Showman. Say more. Dude, the track. Like, I remember when Eddie and I went, my husband, we went to the theaters and saw this. <laughs> and I just sat there in awe. And, like, I felt it in my whole body. I'm like, this is legit. And then, of course, after we left, I went to see it three more times in theaters. Right. Emily, what about you? But you were not the only one who did that. Um, <laughs> our producer, Ashley, who also loves musicals, That's she right. told me, she confessed to me that she took her kids multiple times because it was such a family-friendly film and she so, wanted to promote yes. it. Yes. And, and but also, yes. <laughs> you know, since we mentioned Ashley, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that today is her birthday. So Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Ashley, I would have you oh, sing us a song, but I'm not and sure it would you be want lovely. Us to do that. And really. she could. Yes, yeah. yes, she could. <laughs> but yes, That's no, it. I agree with Kristen. Like the music, the thing that got me with the music is that when you wanted it to build, it built. That's and when right. you wanted it to peak, it peaked. Yes. It was just really, it, it, you moved with the music and it was just so audibly satisfying to me yes. but then also audibly satisfying i like that yeah. phrase yeah and then um uh, in addition to that i really enjoyed the positive messages that yes. the film brought so good and the dancing was incredible so good all of it it was just it, the cast was oh my gosh the cast was unbelievable <laughs> yes. everybody in that cast like deserves a an Oscar. All of them. It was just the, they were the all. I'm emotional as you're talking about it. <laughs> I right. feel like that's the power of it. Let's space it out for the whole podcast. I feel <sighs> okay, like we're sorry. off to a, a very high energy start, and that bodes well <laughs> for our conversation. Jonathan, what about you? Um, man, well, you know, I I can only mention one here, so I won't mention it. You know, if I were to say that my favorite musical just for the dancing alone would have been Sing of the Rain, but that's not the question. Oh, you that's asked, a good you know? one too. Uh -huh. or the, I see, or the I one see that, what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Or the one that we quote the most in our house would definitely be either Beauty and the Beast or My Fair Lady. But I you know, I, I wouldn't mention that one either. Uh, or the biggest <laughs> surprise for me, which would have been once, but you didn't ask that either. 
And you didn't ask what's my favorite song from a musical, which probably would have been Bradley Cooper's Star Born, or oh Ewan and Moulin Rouge, uh, or my girl's favorite, Mamma Mia, which, by the way, Ashley also uh, can sing Mamma Mia like everything. Thank you, producer Ashley. But you asked what my favorite <laughs> musical was. I did. So I did. So for what, that, what do you think? I'm just going to sing it. If I were a rich oh, man. Yeah. Beedy, 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 beedy. On the roof. Yeah. Oh, love me some Fiddler. I just, I love it every time. <laughs> uh, there's just so many good songs, so many good, and there is some pretty good dance numbers, man. I mean, there's, I mean, The Wedding. Oh, yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. there, there's some good stuff. So I, I got to well, get me some Fiddler on the Roof. Jonathan, I appreciate you sharing your 14 favorite so good, musicals <laughs> this morning. Yeah, um, no, my one favorite. My one favorite. Oh, right, right. Okay. <laughs> so um, a little bit about me. One of my favorite musicals was The Jazz Singer with Neil Diamond, which came out in 1980, which uh, I was 10 years old. And some of you may remember the song America, you know, Becoming Come to, to America. Right. There you go. See, I knew that I just had to tee that up and Jonathan would be yep, right there absolutely. with me. But, Hello, uh, my friend. <laughs> Sorry. Hello. Wow. Um, that's impressive. It's impressive, Jonathan. So I was 10 years old and my favorite song, you guys, I'm sharing this because it's funny, right? Well, I think it's funny. I guess she'll be the judge of that. Yeah. My favorite song on the album was Love on the Rocks. And I remember Love singing, on the rocks. ain't no surprise, just pour me a drink and I'll tell you my lies. I was singing that when I was 10. Wow. I was gonna say, so, yeah, that's questionable. That's what I was really concerned about. I was like, wait, you said you were 10 and this was your favorite yeah. song? And, and my other favorite musical from 1980, which is an absolutely astoundingly, breathtakingly awful movie paired with an absolutely astounding, breathtakingly amazing soundtrack was Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> yeah. Well, Newton. I think uh, we're already, as I said, off to a good start because I, I think musicals are one of those things that, that really impact us emotionally. And we're going to talk about that today a little bit later. But as I mentioned in our introduction, we're going to start by um, talking about a new musical in theaters now, Dear Evan Hansen. This is based on a Broadway play of the same name, and it's now made its way to the big screen. So, Emily, you and I both had a chance to see this film, and I know a lot of people love this story. It's won a bunch of awards on Broadway. Mainstream critics have mostly hated it so far, um, but I think there's a lot to talk about here. So for those who aren't familiar with the story, give us just in a, a nutshell a summary of, of what this story is about. So Dear Evan Hansen is about a boy who he's very socially awkward and it's uh, derived from his extreme anxiety and depression. Um, it's kind of actually a vicious circle how that all works out, but we can talk about that later. What happens is one of the kids in his school uh, takes his own life and in his pocket, his parents find a letter that Evan had written to himself, but that this other kid had gotten a hold of. And so they think that their son, Connor, wrote this letter to Evan, and they think that Evan was the, his only friend in the world. And so Evan goes along with it because he's too socially awkward to tell them, oh, no, this is what really happened. So he just pretends like he was this kid's friend. And it turns into this whole thing where people start looking to Evan as this beacon of hope in the world mm. where you're not alone. It's okay if you're in pain and stuff. There's someone out there who is also in the similar pain who can help you, who will walk by you and be your friend. And then, of course, at the end of the show, 
it all comes out, all the truth, all the lies, it all comes out and it's really ugly and sad, but it also helps start the true healing process. I love that. That was a great summary. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is he is asked to speak at kind of a memorial service yeah, for, Connor. for Connor at school and um, he drops his notes. I mean, he really has massive social anxiety. Oh, yeah. And then he he breaks into this song essentially about the importance of having a place to belong. Yep. I, I didn't mean to rhyme there, but it just happened. <laughs> um, and everybody takes, you know, everybody gets their cameras out. And well, because they're expecting him to bomb. Right. They pull out their cameras because they're like, oh, this kid is exactly. going to bomb. We're going to record it. We're going to make fun of him. Yes. But then he actually gives this incredibly moving speech in the form of a song because, again, it's a musical. It's a musical. But the, So what ends up happening is his speech song goes viral and yep. it's just inspiring people across the country. It's really, really touching. Yeah. And so the movie really, I think, deals with... Um, that intersection of subjects, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it deals with mental health. It deals with suicide. And um, one of the things that I appreciated about it was unlike, say, 13 Reasons Why, yeah. which was ostensibly a story that was supposed to help people not commit suicide, but it, you know... It was very dark. It very was dark. so dark. and Very dark. And, and arguably, you could say it actually glorified suicide. Yeah, I don't think there's that. anything in this story that glorifies suicide. Uh, and perhaps that's because it's hard to glorify suicide while you're singing. Uh, <laughs> um, what did you think about the themes in the movie and how they might help families who maybe have a, an older teen who's wrestled yeah. with some of these issues? Well, um, I will say this story is very much about, you know, Evan's journey, but it's also about the journey of Connor's family. It's about how his mom and his stepdad and his sister really try to understand why he was in so much pain and why he decided that it was better to end his life than to keep living. Um, which is part of the reason why they cling to Evan so tightly is because they are hoping that Evan will give them these answers. Mm. Um, I think it's really important for teens, and the reason teens are relating to this story so much is because it really emphasizes the fact that it's like, you are not the only person in the world. If you are struggling with depression and anxiety, you're not the only one. There's actually a pretty poignant point in the movie where the class president, she's like the president of every club at the school, very popular, everybody knows who she is. Uh, she comes out and she's like, what medication are you on? And she's like, I'm on this. And then he yeah. lists off the three medications he's on. And she's like, you know, it's really hard because you know, it, there's actually a new song that basically is saying, hey, just because we don't show our pain, doesn't mean that we don't have it you know mm. we're just better some of us are better at hiding it than others you know and um i think it's really important for teens to really just feel that message that it's like you're not alone if you're hiding your pain you don't have to like find somebody who you can trust who will understand who you can talk to about it and throughout the film um you know, Evan is continually lying to his mom um, about all the things he's going through. And uh, spoiler alert, at the end of the film, he confesses to her the whole film. He's wearing a cast on his arm and he told her it's because he fell out of a tree. At the end of the film, he finally confesses that he didn't fall out. He jumped. Hmm. And from uh, 30 feet up. Yeah. Uh, he was trying to end his own life and failed. And um, but it turned out to be a good thing because that he failed uh, because he was finally able 
to tell his mom everything that he went through. He was finally able to confess to her all the pain that he was feeling. She's a a nurse. She's a single mom. So she has a really hard time being present in his life. She wants to be. She's really trying to connect with him, but she just doesn't have the time to. And so you really feel that. You really feel the pain and the emotions of these families as well as these students. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a great summary. And Obviously, each week at Plugged In, one of the things we want to do is to give you the tools you need as a family to know whether something is an appropriate story, movie, song, video game, whatever it may be for your family to engage with. And there's a bit of content here. There's a bit of language. There's a bit of sexual innuendo. It's not over the top. But if this sounds like something that might be a great conversation starter for you and your family, be sure to check out. Uh, our full and excellent review by Emily. Thank you, Emily, at PluggedIn.com. Well, I wanted to use Evan Hansen as a, a springboard to a, a broader conversation about musicals. Now, you know, musicals, uh, you could make the argument they're a little bit like horror movies, not in content, but they're always just kind of there. It's a staple genre. And yet it seems like they kind of come in waves. And we've just seen... Uh, a huge wave of musicals and and maybe the current batch kicked off with the filmed version of Hamilton. Um, but we've also had In the Heights, Prom, everyone's talking about Jamie. Um, there's an upcoming reboot of West Side Story. So obviously Hollywood really believes there's still a market for this kind of movie in this genre. So first question on this broader discussion, why do some people adore musicals While others, if you said, hey, we're going to go see a musical, they might roll their eyes and pretend to be sick. (laughs) I think that this, in my opinion, I think it's personality driven. Okay. Um, I remember my parents said when I was, what, three, they took me to see The Lion King and the soundtrack came out before. And I stood up. I love that you were three when The Lion King came out. (laughs) Yeah. I stood up on top of the seat, like the chair in the theater. And my parents said I belted at the top of my lungs. (gasps) Like when the the opening credits, like when it all opens. And the entire time, I just sang it at the top of my lungs. And everyone was, you know, either annoyed or laughing. Whatever. I was three. I love three-year-old you. Yeah. (laughs) They they laughed for a minute. And then they realized you were going to keep singing. Oh, the entire time. Yes. (laughs) But it's fun because I, I really enjoy them. But I know I have a lot of friends and, and even family that are like, why can't you just say it? Why do we have to sing it? It takes so long. Right? Jonathan? Well, I wonder if it's maybe you'd have to probably get a glimpse into different people's houses. But like my grandson, I mean, he just turned one. Oh. And we have, uh, I made a, a Spotify playlist called Little Guy because that's my nickname for him. Aww. And uh, because he loves certain songs and we'll be in the car and if we put on uh from the winnie the pooh movie the forever oh yeah ever um we first of all we all start crying and then second of all he literally (laughs) his face brightens up and he'll laugh he'll start laughing and then we'll play actually sound of music uh edelweiss he actually recognizes because uh my wife always sings that to him when he goes to bed and different things and you just see his face Mm -hmm. engage um, when we play it, and it's funny, the list is filled with, I mean, name it, you know, uh, a lot of Disney musicals like Tarzan or, or things where you hear kids singing as well. He likes hearing kids' voices. So maybe if you're raised listening That's to that good, kind yeah. of music, then it engages you. I, I don't know. I just know that he, less than one years old, was engaged by this all the time. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think the reason people like them is because if you like to express your feelings through song, if you like yeah. music, then of course you're going to like musicals. But no, I think that the people who don't like musicals are people who don't understand why are they breaking out into song and dance? And actually some musicals will even poke fun of that right. element. But no, I think any theater kid in the world would, if you told them, oh, I don't really care for musicals, they would just look at you and be like, okay, well, you don't like fun things. Yeah. <laughs> Just you know, in that tone, too. Go, go play football, then. Uh, you can well, do no, both. No, because can athletes both. can like musicals, too. I know, okay. I know. I was hoping, I was I hoping w- that you would poke fun of my stereotyping, so thank you. You did exactly what I was I both an athlete, and I love musicals, and I was in theater. All I liked right. them both, yeah. You were a, you were a double threat. Uh. Well, I think that um, what we have talked about here today really illustrates the fact that music engages us emotionally and obviously a well-crafted movie will engage us emotionally too but i think a musical just adds an entirely additional layer of resonance and i know growing up um it was soundtracks i mean i remember listening to the footloose soundtrack and the top gun soundtrack and yes the jazz singer soundtrack and <laughs> and you know those were things that we would go on vacation and we might listen to them 50 times. And so one of the things as we bring our conversation in for a close on musicals and their power is there really is a crossover from experiencing it as a movie to just experiencing the music. I mean, the the Greatest Showman soundtrack, uh, the Hamilton soundtrack, the Moana soundtrack have been ones that have been really significant for our kids. And so that adds another layer of influence, uh, maybe positively, and maybe some things that we have to really pay attention to. Obviously, the Hamilton soundtrack has some problems that we have to navigate. And so I just want to end with that that reminder that this is something that we have to think about in terms of discernment on multiple levels as parents, because these stories and the songs that go along with them really have the power to inspire us, to shape us, to encourage us, but where there's problematic stuff, um, you know, if we're repeating those things over and over again too, we really need to be thinking about that. So thanks everyone for this conversation on musicals today. And I want to move into our second segment now, what's wrong with Instagram filters. So if you're on Instagram, at some point you have likely used a filter to alter your appearance. And maybe you've even seen some of the funny things online. I mean, there was a guy who had a court appearance and his children had turned on a cat filter. And so he's on a Zoom call and has to tell people, oh, by the way, I'm not a cat, right? This is sort of a a worst case scenario filter experience. Some of them are just silly. They're goofy. They stretch your face out. They give you animal features. But others are definitely designed to help you look your best and maybe even better than you do in real life. And that can be a problem, especially for younger users. So, Emily, you wrote a blog post for Plugged In a couple of weeks ago dealing with this question, what's wrong with Instagram filters? And you'll find a link to Emily's excellent article on our blog entry for this week's show. I know this is a topic we've all thought about. So in a nutshell, what is the biggest concern that parents should ponder when it comes to kids using Instagram filters? Aren't they just harmless fun or are there some deeper things going on here? depends on how you're using them. If your child is just using, you know, the dog face filter or the cat face filter, as you mentioned, that can be harmless. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, are they using it because it's funny or are they using it to mask their face? 
Okay. You know? Say more about that. Yeah. I think that there are kids out there who, um, kids and teens who just, they don't like the way they look. They look at, you know, these Instagram models. They look at celebrities and stuff and they look at themselves and they're like, I look nothing like that. And this person is beautiful and therefore I am not. And they don't see their own beauty. They just have this, they are given a poor self-esteem, not because somebody told them that they're not beautiful, but because they basically just came to that conclusion on their own because they don't look like the people who are called beautiful. Yeah, I think that's, it's a huge issue. Um, I even know for myself, like, I think it's funny we talk about kids, but I think as adults, if I hop on Instagram and I'm looking through and I've tried to stay like away from social media personally uh, for a lot of reasons, but Amen. Uh, I look at pictures of <laughs> different women and I'm like, how do you look like this after having a baby? How do you look like this? Fill in the blank, right? All these social expectations. After eating a pizza. Right. <laughs> but I've watched a ton, a ton of videos and read a lot of blogs just about the breakdown of even using a filter, of even editing your body to look a certain way, and then posting that picture. And so much work goes into maintaining an image. Now, some people just are so stinking beautiful, like naturally. It's not just my problem. I, right. I, have so a, I have other issues. But. <laughs> but, and I think, but I think it's hard for a lot of people when they're like, hey, where's like where's that normal side of you? And we don't see that on Instagram because it's always the best that's portrayed and filters add to that. I, I think, you know, it's funny. Back to your question is, should we be concerned about this? I think it really comes down to, I mean, all the studies on social media just say that we need to be careful with how much time our kids are spending on any type of yeah. app, you know, where they are being rated and commented. And I mean, think about it. I mean, I think of my teenage years. I so worried when I walked in a room, I was like, what are people thinking of me? What are people thinking of me? But at least when I was home, I was safe. I didn't have to deal with that. Now, young people always have this device in their pocket mm. that is mm. where other people are rating them on how they look and how many friends they have and how many followers they have and all this. And I think we just got to really help our kids step out of that world and go into reality where they actually meet people face to face and can't hide behind a filter. And so filters aren't bad filters aren't you know dangerous we just need to like everything be careful that our kids aren't consistently hiding behind a filter yeah i would say to remember you know if you struggle as an adult with comparison and we all do whether it's comparing what we physically look like or what we have versus what someone else has think about your kids right like the inability to even regulate or self-regulate and then the fact that you add that pressure publicly or in spaces to that i mean that that makes a huge difference yeah it becomes everything to them it does well and tying several things together that you guys have all pointed out um jonathan i love that you said that it's not that filters are all bad all the time but we have to be aware of how they potentially influence the yeah. way our kids are seeing themselves and seeing the world uh, and Kristen, to what you were saying a minute ago, I think that where filters are potentially quietly damaging is when we don't know that people are using them. Like, obviously, oh, yeah. yes. you know, to go back to my joking intro on this segment, if somebody's wearing a cat filter, we're not like, that's weird. They really look like a cat. You know, right, right. we know that we're able to recognize that for what it is, which is not reality. But if somebody is using a filter that in a very subtle way gets rid of of acne or facial blemishes or maybe it tightens them up you know the nip and tuck thing or 
okay, full confession. I sometimes will click on clickbait things. You know, what does somebody really look like without makeup and without retouching? Um, And it's, but it's sort of a rubbernecking kind of curiosity, right? And you look at them and you're like, holy cow, they actually look like a real person when you turn all the filters off. But kids don't know when an image that they're looking at has been digitally altered. Adults don't know. And adults don't know. Yeah, and it really can influence us. I was going to say, you know, some people are like, oh, well, if you're using a filter on Instagram, it tells you which filter they're using. No, because if you download the picture and then you repost it without the filter, then you have the filtered version without the little thing at the top of the screen that says you're using a filter. Mm -hmm. So no, that's not entirely true. And I agree with you, though. I I know exactly what articles you're talking about. And it's like, but that's another problem, though, is that we're Is that often, and I know this as somebody who uses Photoshop, like for a living and stuff, you know, it is so easy to sit there. They will take those pictures and yes, it's them without makeup. They actually purposely make them look worse. Almost to say, if you're not wearing makeup, if you're not having your photos retouched, if you're not using a filter, then you'll look like this. Wow. I mean, this rabbit hole goes pretty deep. And I, I hope that our conversation about filters today, if you're listening as a parent, have helped you to think about, you know, how your kids may be interacting with this and why there may be more here to talk about than you realize. Thanks, guys. Well, we've come to one of my favorite parts of each episode of The Plugged In Show, and we like to call it Culture Culture Countdown. Countdown. You guys know the rules. You have 30 seconds to bring a story about something going on in culture. Maybe it's about teens. Maybe it's about celebrity or faith or technology. So, Emily, I'd like you to go first this week. All right, let's do it. Are you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. On the Facebook Watch series, uh, Simone versus herself, Simone Biles opened up about what happened earlier this year at the Tokyo Olympics, defending her decision once again to withdraw from the competition, but not just to protect her mental well-being, but her physical well-being as well. And she said it's unfortunate because she said that there is more to life and it's unfortunate because it took the Olympics for me to realize that. Wow. So interesting story about Simone Biles. Thank you. You finished with time to spare. As I always wow, do. Wow, that was good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think Paul and Adam need a I talk attention. <laughs> I know. Well, we just we like to have fun and give as much information as we can in 30 seconds. Jonathan, you are up next, brother. Absolutely. What do you have for us this week? Let me count you in. Perfect. Three, two, one, go. Well, I always find it fascinating to uh, look at how young people are just kind of entranced with being an online influencer. Um, I'm staring at an Axios article that's talking about the fact that the number of people looking to become online influencers has exploded during the pandemic. And that's pretty scary because the numbers going into it we're out of, in the 8 out of 10 range. 8 out of 10 young people want to be an online influencer. Well, uh, they interviewed basically this uh, group oh, that... Oh, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> but personally, I try to stay away from exploding numbers whenever possible. Uh, and, and I will say here that we always post links to each of these articles on our plugged-in blog entry for each episode. So yeah, thank yeah. you, Jonathan. Kristen, you're up next. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. 
Apple has just announced that there are some changes that are coming with their new update, one being that their new feature is going to scan iCloud photos to find images of child sexual abuse. Um, A lot of people are saying that this is a good thing, but there are just as many that are saying that this is a huge violation of privacy and have no idea what that means um, for a company that has built its reputation on keeping people's privacy. She also had time to spare. No, that's, All right. that's time really... To I mean, I can say, no, can I, I can say more of it. I wanted to hear the buzzer. And, you know, it gave us a moment to just reflect on what you had said. I know. See, very effectively pause. in 25 seconds. All right. Who wants to uh, to buzz me in here? Kristen, do, do the honors. All right. Let's see if you can do this. You ready? I, I'm ready. Three. I'm totally two, ready. Two. One. Well, we all remember the actress Lori Loughlin and the controversy she had regarding college admissions with her daughters. And she just spent some time in prison. And if you are a fan of the show, When Calls the Heart, you mourned her sudden departure from that show. Well, guess what? She's out of prison and she's coming back on a When Calls the Heart spinoff called When Hope Calls a Country Christmas. And the first episode of this new show with Lori Loughlin back Oh, and like Adam said, you can find the links to everything we're talking about. (laughs) You're going to need them. All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) That brings us to a close on another episode of Culture Culture Countdown. Countdown. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week at the Plugged In Show. What did you think about our conversation? We would love to hear from you. What's your favorite musical? Or for that matter, how have you used Instagram filters perhaps to create the best cheetah picture of yourself that you could possibly imagine. Let us know at Facebook or on Instagram, and you can find us at the latter at Plugged In Team, or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Either way, we would love to keep this conversation going with you. And as our thanks for being a part of the Plugged In Show family today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on our plugged in blog entry for today's conversation. Or you can just give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. Well, as always, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. 